Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is thankful for what? Now, here's Bill Almack. There was a guy who lived in an old part of New York. You know the old part where you walk down to the market or the butcher shop and, and get your food for the day? And he was standing in the butcher shop trying to decide what he wanted to have that day. And this big old dog comes into the butcher shop. He's got something in his mouth, some kind of bag or something. The dog walks over to the countertop, puts his front paws up on the countertop, drops the bag on the counter, and the butcher says, Hey, old boy, how's it going? What would you like today? You want some pork? Dog's quiet. You want some chicken? Dog's quiet. You want some beef? Oh, all right. You want some beef? How much beef do you want? Half a pound? A pound? Two pounds? Oh, all right. Two pounds of beef it is. So the butcher starts making the, the order and wraps it up, reaches into the bag, pulls out the money, puts the change in, puts the, the bag and the meat into a bag, gives it to the dog and says, See you, old boy. The dog hops down off the counter and walks out tail wagging. Now the guy has completely forgotten about supper. He says, I have to see how this ends. So he takes off after the dog. The dog goes down a couple blocks, goes into an apartment building, goes up to the third floor and begins scratching and barking at a door. And eventually a man comes and answers the door and he looks at the dog and says, what's wrong with you? And the guy that's been watching this says, wait a minute. Why are you getting after the dog? This dog just went down and bought two pounds of beef and paid for it and brought it back. This is amazing. And the guy in the apartment kind of looked at him and said, what? This is the third time this week the dog's forgotten his key. (laughs) And isn't that just like us? Something so amazing can happen and we want and demand and expect more. Right? So true. So true. We have so much in this country. And today we're going to be talking about we're thankful for what? Right? According to the World Bank, half of the world, 50%, live under the poverty line. You know what they describe as the poverty line? Living on $2 a day. Now, I don't even know how you can live in Los Angeles for $2 a day. That's 60 bucks a month. That's impossible, right? I I don't know. It's been estimated that two-thirds of the world goes to bed hungry most nights. Two-thirds. If you went to bed and you were not hungry, you are better off than 66% of the people on the planet. We have so much to be thankful for. The very poorest amongst us are rich by world standards. But yet sometimes 
we demand and expect even more. When we say thanks, we're remembering that we are not self-made people, right? We don't make the clothes we wear. We don't grow the food we eat. We don't build the houses we live in, right? It's all come from other people and other places. And when we say thank you, we're recognizing that. We're recognizing that we're stewards and that um, God has provided for us. And Thanksgiving gives us uh, two things to think about. Helps our perspective in two ways. Number one, it causes us to count our blessings and realize how much we have and enjoy. When we are thankful, you begin to realize how much you have. When you are thankful for the simplest things, the smallest things, you begin to realize how much you have. And number two, it also reminds us of the responsibilities we have towards being thankful. Right? You guys remember when you were little and it was your birthday and Aunt Susie came over and gave you a gift. And what did your parents tell you? Say thank you. Right? Say thank you. You have, we have a responsibility to be thankful. Not just to be nice to the person that was giving it but to take care of the gift that we've gotten, to be a good steward of it, to use it wisely, right? I remember when Linda and I bought our first house, about 1990, 91, something like that, in Bellflower. It was a wreck. It was bad. Little old lady had lived in the house and she was not able to take care of the house anymore. And there was termite damage in the wood floors. They were ruined. The stucco outside the house was one color under the eaves and white at the bottom because it had been bleached so bad. All the paint was gone off the wood. It had wood windows in the house. And when you closed the curtains and the wind blew, the curtain still moved. There were broken glass. The bathroom was disgusting. And there had been a fire in the kitchen. The little lady had started something cooking in a frying pan and then laid down to take a nap. Don't do that. And we had two weeks to fix up the house before we moved in. And one night, Linda and I were there working on the house and we were taking a break and I was looking at the kitchen floor that had those square tiles on it, probably had asbestos in them, I don't know. About a third of them were missing, three or four more were loose, and I was getting ready to take them all up. And as I looked around the house, and we were trying to make it livable, I looked at Linda and goes, it's a dump. We bought a dump, right? And ever after that, we called it the dump. We, we lived there 10 years. Fixed it all up. It was pretty nice. We moved down, but we still called it the dump. But in that moment of sitting there and kind of thinking about, what have we done? We've bought a dump. The thought entered my mind that there's uh, many, 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 many people in the world that would be tickled to death to live in this the way it is. So much better than the cardboard box or whatever that they were living in. And sometimes the things 
that we should be thankful for are the things we complain about, right? Sometimes the very things we complain about are the things we should be thankful for, right? You've done this with family members, right? People you love. People that if the house was on fire, you would run in to try and save them. And yet you'll say, man, if he does that one more time, I'm going to punch him in the throat. Right? The very things that we complain about are the things we should be thankful for. I got permission to share this story with you. Evan took a spill yesterday. Um, turns out Tide Pods are amazingly treacherous. Because when they tumble onto the floor and they go everywhere and you bend over and start picking them up and one gets under your foot, soap is slippery stuff. So he fell, hit his back, feeling a little sore. And we've all done stuff like that where we've fallen, tripped, whatever, right? And we can complain and say, God, why did you let this happen to me? I was just trying to pick up the Tide Pods. Or you can say, man, I'm glad that wasn't worse. I could have broke my neck. Right? Because the very things we complain about are the things we should be thankful for. You know? And sometimes we think, if I could just have something else, if I could just get a little bit more, if I could just buy that new car, if I could just get that bigger house, if I could just remodel the kitchen, if I could just get out of school, if I could just get married. We have a long list of ifs. And if all those things would happen, then I could give thanks. Then I would be thankful. I dare say you wouldn't be. Right? If you're not thankful when you don't have a little, you won't be thankful when you have a lot. So today we're going to look at two stories. And they're pretty familiar stories that we probably know. And we're going to talk about how they... they show thankfulness. And the first one is the story of Jonah. And Jonah's typically not a story we think about when we think of thankfulness, right? And we probably all know the story of Jonah, but super quickly review, right? Jonah's a prophet of God. God tells Jonah, go tell Nineveh that I'm tired of them and I'm going to destroy the city. Now, the thing you should know about Nineveh is it was one of the largest cities on the planet at the time. Archaeologists tell us about 120,000 people live there, which makes it roughly the size of Downey, a little bit smaller than Downey. makes it quite a bit larger than the world power of Babylon, which only had between 80 and 90,000 people living in it. Okay, So Nineveh is a happening place. This is like if God came to you and said, I want you to go to New York and tell them I'm tired of them and I'm going to destroy the city. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a whole bunch of no fun, right? Jonah thought so too, hops on a boat and starts going the other way. We know the story, right? God sends the storm, greatly shortening the story. Jonah says, guys, you've got to throw me overboard. I said, we're not going to throw you overboard. They try and save the ship. They can't save the ship. They come back to us and say, we're throwing you overboard, right? And they throw Jonah overboard, and instantly the sea is calm. And the Bible tells us that the men on this ship made promises and vows to God. 
We don't ever talk about that part. That's kind of interesting, because how much did they know about God? Right? Just this tiny little bit. He makes storms come and he makes them end. That's all I know. But they saw something. If you hearken back to our previous series, they saw something they could not deny. Can you imagine what they told the people when they finally reached their destination? You're not going to believe this. Right? If we turn to Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I know all kinds of people that say, this story can't be true because there's no fish big enough to swallow people. It doesn't say there was. It said God provided a huge fish. And sometimes we call it Jonah and the whale because we don't believe that it could be a fish. It's not a whale, it's a fish. And God provided the fish, right? You believe in creation. God spoke things into existence, right? Nobody believes in creation. Anybody believe in creation? Yeah. All right. Did God speak it into existence? Yeah. Can God speak a fish into existence? Yeah. Remember what we read in the last series, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This was not some fish happening by. God called it into being when He needed it to be there. And Jonah is now in the belly of this fish at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. Which, by the way, sometimes if you're like me and you look at the map and you look at the U.S. and you look at the Mediterranean Sea, it seems very small. It is not. <laughs> It's about the same distance across the Mediterranean Sea as it is across the U.S. It's about 3,000 miles across. It's a big, big place. And now you're in a fish deep somewhere. And so Jonah chapter 2 is all this prayer that Jonah prays. We're not going to go through the whole thing. But if it was written by anybody other than Jonah, we'd say it was full of metaphors and hyperbole. But... This stuff really happened to Jonah. And he talks about things like, from the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. You hurled me into the depths, into the very hearts of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. And in verse chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, he says, When my life was ebbing away... I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of what kind of praise? Grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the stomach of a fish... Somewhere in deep in the Mediterranean, I don't know that I'm offering up shouts of grateful praise. My prayer might be more like, help me, help me, help me. Save me, save me, save me. I'm in trouble. Right? 
But Jonah offers a prayer of, I am giving you grateful praise, shouts of grateful praise. I will sacrifice to you, and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. That's a pretty powerful prayer to pray at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. Right? Jonah gives thanks in all circumstances. We know that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. If you're Evan, you're not giving thanks that you fell down. You're giving thanks that it wasn't worse. Right? This is hard to do, like Celine's children's story, right? If you get into a car accident, it's hard to get out and go, whew, thank you. It's not our first thought. But cars can be replaced as long as the people are okay. Right? Give thanks. Give thanks. The story is told about two men who are walking through a field. Partway through the field, they noticed that they weren't the only one in the field. There was a bull in the field who didn't take kindly to intruders in his space. He began to run after the men who started running towards the nearest fence. And as they were running towards the fence and looking back, one of the men yells, John, you better offer up a prayer. That bull is gaining on us. And the other man says, I, I don't know how to pray. The first man says, John, your daddy was a preacher. You better pray. And he says, all right, well, this is the prayer that I remember my dad praying when we got to the, to the table. Lord, help us be thankful for what we are about to receive. <laughs> Might not be the prayer that you want to pray right then, right? We are not thankful for all circumstances, but we are thankful in all circumstances, right? And I want to remind, somebody, remind us of this here, because we, we forget this sometimes at church. Sometimes we, we get ready to come to church and we put on our best, you know, go to meet and clothes and we look all spiffy and we do our hair and we smell good and we look good and we put up the front, I feel good. And inside we're screaming because we don't feel good some days. Listen, it's okay to not be okay. Did you hear that? It's okay to not be okay. There are days when we are not okay. Someone you love is sick, is dying, is dead. I don't know. There are days that it's not, we're not okay. And that's okay. But even in the days we are not okay, we give thanks. That's hard sometimes. Right? That's hard sometimes. But it's okay to not be okay. Give thanks in all circumstances. We aren't called to have a perfect life. We are called to be thankful and faithful. Regardless of whether you feel okay or not. All right. Another story. I like stories. We're going to go late today, so, you know, just deal with it. Um... One morning after a big snowstorm, 
Susan is outside shoveling the snow. Anybody here shoveled snow? Four of us, five of us, six of us, okay, a few of us. Snow is amazingly heavy. You wouldn't think so, right? It's snow. It's, it's, it's nice. No, it's heavy. That's a lot of work. So after this big snowstorm, there's snow everywhere. And Susan is outside shoveling her driveway and her walk. And the neighbor's out there. And they take a moment and a break. And the neighbor says, why are you out here shoveling instead of your husband? And she said, well, somebody had to stay inside with the kids. So we drew straws. And I'm out here shoveling snow. The neighbor says, oh, man, I'm sorry you lost. She says, oh, I didn't lose. (laughs) Right? Some of you with kids know that feeling. I'll, I'll shovel. It's okay. Right? Be thankful in all circumstances. All right. Our second story that we're going to talk about is another story that we know is equally well as Jonah. And it's the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. You remember the story, right? It's the Middle East. It's hot. It's dry. It's just a terrible, hot day. And as the disciples and Jesus walk, every footstep makes a little puff of dust in the dirt. And the dust lingers in the hot, still air. And as they come into this little town, across this little clearing, there's a group of people, and they know who they are before they ever say anything because they're bandaged up. And they walk slow and they shuffle along. You might be able to hear them yell, unclean. And the lepers are there. And they yell across this clearing to Jesus and they say, heal us. And Jesus answers very interestingly. He says, go show yourself to the priest. He doesn't say, you're healed. He doesn't say, your faith has made you whole. He doesn't, he just says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, that's how you were declared that you weren't leprous. The priest examined you and saw that there were no leprosy spots on you and would declare you clean so you could go home. So imagine these ten lepers there. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Okay. So they go back and they start to turn and they start walking and shuffling towards the priest. And the Bible says... As they went, they were healed. So as you're shuffling towards the priest, all of a sudden you can feel your fingers again. All of a sudden your nose that has fallen off is back. All of a sudden you can feel the supernatural power of God entering your body. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And as they make their way towards the priest, they, they're not shuffling anymore. They're walking, and they're not walking. They're running. And in their thought process, they're thinking, I'm going home. I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my kids. I'm going to sleep in my own bed. I don't have to sleep with these stinking lepers anymore, right? And they are joyous, and they are running towards the priest. And one guy stops. And turns and looks back at Jesus and starts coming towards him. And look what it says here. Luke 17, verses 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in what kind of voice? A loud voice. 
He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And ooh, that had to sting for the disciples. Ooh, I don't know what the other nine lepers were, but I bet some of them, if not all of them, were Jewish. But the Samaritan came back, the one they don't like. The one who's less than us came back. And of course, we know what Jesus said. He said, hey, didn't we heal ten? Where are the other nine? Go, your faith has healed you. He comes back with a loud voice. Can you imagine him making his way across that clearing, praising Jesus? He didn't care who hears. He's not singing quietly in the pew because I don't want the guy next to me to hear that it's out of tune. He's belting it out. Everybody can hear. People are looking out their windows going, what's going on out there? Right? Loud voice praising God. How come the other nine don't come back? When we're thinking about I... We can't think about God, right? And when you're running to the priest, you're thinking, I'm going to be home, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to see my wife. See, it's all about me. And none of those things are bad. It's not bad to go home and be with your wife and see your kids. Those are all great things. But it's a case of people letting the blessings in their life Push God out of their life. And so here we have two stories. We have Jonah at a low point, physically and spiritually, at the bottom of the sea. We have the lepers who are at her spiritual high, right? I mean, it doesn't get no better than being healed from leprosy. Right? Leprosy was a death sentence. You got leprosy, you died. Okay? You know, we joke today about the zombie apocalypse and one of the zombies coming. It already happened. It was leprosy. Super, super contagious. And when you got it, you died. Right? This was not something... We, we've forgotten how serious this was because of our modern medicine. It was a death sentence. And we see these people that are on the spiritual high. The best thing in the world has just happened to them. And yet, they still forget about God. See, because thankfulness is something that you have to cultivate. You've got to work on it. You've got to keep it coming. You, you, you've got to... You've got to be thankful and you've got to work at being thankful in the good times and in the bad times. And if you don't do that, in the bad times you'll forget to be thankful and in the good times you'll forget to be thankful. Ephesians 5.20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for what? Everything. 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 Do you ever give thanks to God for the silly little things? Can't find my car keys, God. Where's my car keys? Oh, thank you. There they are. Right? 
How many times do we, we pray for stuff and we forget to say thank you? One more quick story. This was in Leadership Magazine, and uh, this is told from the guy who, uh, who wrote the story, which is not me. But he said one morning he went into a diner, and it was a very depressing morning. It was a gray morning. It was raining. The weather was yucky. It was Wednesday. It's just a bleh, horrible day. I don't know what's wrong with Wednesdays, but, you know, there they are. And he goes into the diner to get a cup of coffee and just sit there and kind of stew over his plot in life. And he said there was a couple other miserable people in the diner, all had their heads down. And he said about the time his coffee came, some food got delivered to a young mother and a small child. And the young girl broke the silence in the diner by almost yelling, Mama, why don't we say our prayers here? And the waitress turned around and said, Honey, we say prayers here. Will you pray for us? And the waitress turns to the other people in the diner and says, Bow your heads. And they all did. And the little girl prayed a simple child's prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. And the writer of the story says, the atmosphere in the place changed from just that little simple prayer. Because I made up my mind that I was not going to major in the minor things that were going wrong in my life. And I was going to choose happiness and gratefulness. And the people around me seemed to do the same thing. We started talking to each other. And we started laughing and having a good time. And the waiter said, we should do that every morning. Because when you choose to be thankful, it will change your life. I hope that's what you choose. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, help us to choose thankfulness. Help us to choose to be thankful. No matter how we feel, Lord, we want to choose to be grateful for the blessings you give us, for the things that you do for us. Lord, and they are numerous and many. Lord, we just ask you to help us remember to say thank you to you, to the people around us, to our family members, to the waiters and the waitresses that we deal with, to the people we come in contact with, Lord. Help us to be thankful people. It's the way you have asked us to live. You've commanded us to give thanks and to be faithful, Lord. Help us to be the kind of people that do that. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.